With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. This is James Altucher with the James Altucher Show. I'm very excited to have Steve Scott on the show. Many people might not know who Steve is, but you're going to find out quickly because I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions that will show you what an incredible job this guy has done to make a career for himself out of nothing. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, James. I'm a big fan. Thank you, Steve. And, Steve, I'm going to just ask you straight out, how many books have you published on Amazon? Uh, 41. 41 books. How much money did you make last quarter? Uh, the last quarter I've made, like I would say, probably 45000 um, but this month, I'm on track to make about 40000 just from this month. Just from this month. So yes. has it been kind of like an upslope ever since you've started the strategy that we're going to totally get into? But I just want to know if it's been a, a general upslope. Uh, I would say upslope with uh, definitely some dips. I would say as, as good as this month was, I would say the last month of April, that was definitely a downslope. So it, it's if you look at a chart, it kind of goes up and down, up and down, up and down. But every time it goes up, it goes up just a little bit more. That's great. So and when you say 41 books, it's not under only under Steve Scott. It's under S.J. Scott as well. Uh, yeah, and I have another uh, whole line that's about like children's animal books, but those kind of tanked. But I kind of took the lessons from those and applied them to kind of what I'm doing now with the habit books. Now, so I'm just going to read some of the titles of some of your books because it seems to me like you took one huge book and divided it up into like, 40 smaller books, but it's an ingenious strategy. So, for instance, one title is Make Money Online, 55 Ways to Make Extra Money Fast Using Your Computer. Another is uh, Internet Lifestyle Productivity, Master Time, Increase Profits, Enjoy Life. Uh, your recent ones, which actually have been selling better than mine, uh, let me let me find them. I think these are under S.J. Scott. Yes. Uh, uh, you've been You've been crushing me. Um, I think just with the one book, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that last one about yeah habit stacking. Ninety-seven small life changes that take five minutes or less, which I've read. By the way, I couldn't remember the title of it just now, but I have read the book. Uh, so that one's been doing better than mine this month. Also, you've been doing very well with twenty-three anti-procrastination habits: how to stop being lazy and get results in your life. So. I love all of these. Like, here's another one: seventy healthy habits. How to eat better, feel great, get more energy, and live a healthy lifestyle. Who's not going to read that book? <laughs> I hope as many people as possible. Um, yeah, you touched on the first one: the fifty-five ways to make money online. I cringed a little bit when you read that one off. That was that was my first attempt of Kindle publishing, and that was kind of if you look at like someone's first blog post, that's almost kind of how it really. It's a, the first feeble attempt of someone who didn't really know what they were doing. But you, you, you blow away a lot of conventions about what a book is. Like, you know, some of your books are 40 to 50 pages, but you'll, you know, you, you price all over the place. Like, you've really played with the concept of what is a book, and you've used Amazon as almost a place to distribute these, like, 
I don't want to call them mini books, but they're not quite large blog posts. They're, you know, you've developed your own genre. And uh, uh, so let's let's take it back a little bit. I always, whenever there's a, a superhero, I always like to know the, the secret origin. So so what were you doing before all of this? Like, where did you come from? Uh, that's actually a fairly long story, but I'm actually kind of writing an um, email about that for my list. But actually, I'll try and think of the Cliff Notes version. I would say I started online about a decade ago. Um, basically, I went through a divorce. I had to move from where my ex-wife lives now, in South Carolina, back home to New Jersey. And at the time, I literally oh wait wait there's there's a lot there's a lot in there. What <laughs> what were you doing uh, as for work when you got your divorce? Um, well, actually, let's see. I was in the military before that, and I had like your typical entry level job at Prentice Hall as a marketing assistant. But when we're in South Carolina, and that was part of my frustration to live there of living there and actually probably what ultimately led to divorce is just kind of a little bit of self-hatred and who I was as a person. But, um, so, so, basically so you guys were just unhappy and you weren't getting along and you decided, you know what, let's call it quits. Did you have any kids with your ex-wife? No, I didn't. But I, I, I basically, I would say it's, it's mostly my fault. I do like to take the blame on this one just because I was so kind of angry at myself that I just, I'm sure it was a very unpleasant person to be around. And, and that factor and a couple other things, but I really, we, we're still friends. So it's not like I, I holding grudges. I hope she isn't holding grudges, but I basically, at the end of the day, it's, I had to move home and basically with my parents and I had wow. to like, <laughs> we're, we're in New Jersey because I when I moved to New Jersey, I had to move back home to my parents. So we're, we're in New Jersey, uh, Red Bank, New Jersey. It's uh, right in the Jersey Shore area. Yeah, I know. I know where it is. Bon Jovi lives there. Yes, he does. He actually I saw him in passing him in Bruce Springsteen a couple times growing up. Cool. Uh, yeah. So basically I had to move home. Um, and at the time uh, from like 2003 to 2004, I basically had Internet like I, I had a couple small Internet websites. So. Basically, the only prospect that I could see was really building an internet business. And eventually, after about six months, I managed to earn enough where I basically got to move out of my parents' house. But it was definitely touch and go for a number of years where I was basically trying to do the internet thing. But also, I, I just had a whole gamut of just part-time jobs like uh, to the temporary – like I forget what those are called, but those temporary employment agencies. And I was a part-time DJ. So basically, anything I could do to make money and hustle on the side, I, I pretty much did it. But – I kind of and what, and what was the what was the internet business that you started? Uh, at the time, I had a whole bunch of them. But at the time, I had I sold evil eye jewelry that I imported from Turkey, and I sold directly through eBay and on the e-commerce website. And and how would you how would you do that? So you'd buy this like kind of uh, evil eye jewelry from Turkey. Would you build a story around it? Like how would you then up the price on eBay to justify you know making a profit? Um, well, they weren't too expensive per. A piece of jewelry they were only about a buck or two and on ebay you could sell them for um, 15 or 16 bucks so the margins were actually pretty good and then eventually someone a lot smarter than me came on ebay and basically cornered like just use intelligent marketing basically price it down to a dollar or two and what i didn't realize at the time is they were just making a lot of money on the back end but basically it, trying to compete with this person was just eat up my cost so for a year or two i had just an e-commerce website for people just searching through google traffic but that kind of kept me afloat from there. But I would say after that, it was one series of kind of small businesses that went well for a year or two, but then completely died out. So that well, was what, kind of my life for a while. What do you mean he was making money on the back uh, on the back end? So he he under the, this competitor came on, uh, dominated the market and underpriced you. Uh, and then you said he made money on the back end. What's the back end? I think and. This is kind of my own stupidity and naivete, as I didn't really analyze what he was doing and try replicating. I just gave up. 
Um, but basically, I think what they're doing was they're basically selling, you know, abrasive for like 15 bucks and they would get just the customer. That's all they really cared about was they would just basically, it was, it was a lead loss. They would just get, they would, the eBay campaign would pay for itself and then they would have the customer's email and potentially mailing address and they would follow, send follow up, uh, I'm sure t- some types of mailers and there's more expensive evil eye jewelry that you could price anywhere from like 50 to 60 bucks. So they would, I guess they would try upselling them. But at the time, I didn't take the time to really analyze what they're doing, see how I could have done it myself. I just gave up basically. But, but Steve, though, it sounds like you learned like an incredibly important lesson because I see this all over your website now. The e- building an email list getting that email address so that you can later market to and upsell to that person, that is the key to success in a lot of these types of businesses. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I really, I bang that drum nonstop. I, I believe now like getting those customers and getting those email addresses is really the most important thing to do. In any I, I think you have, I think you have it in all your books too. Like to sign up for your list, you know, so give, give me your email address. Like people can click right on through your books to your email list. Yeah, I'm definitely not subtle about it, but yeah, I, I I feel I'd almost rather not make money initially just to get that email address. To be honest. Well, a lot of your books are priced for free, so I can tell you you're not making money on them. And uh, <laughs> and, and you even have a book, an entire book titled Ninety Nine Cents is the New Free. It's yeah. forty five pages. You sell it obviously for ninety nine cents. How do you get like an entire book out of a topic like that? Um, if I remember correctly, I wrote. Sometimes I write these things so fast I kind of forget what I write about. But um, I wrote it. Let's see. Right after I came back from Greece, I wrote it last August. Um, but basically, the the whole premise was is I just took the whole analysis of what people think was conventional wisdom at the time for Kindle publishing that you just release a book for free for five days and you just get a flood of sales. And I really wasn't seeing any evidence of that. Instead, I would launch my book for ninety nine cents, and which I currently do now pretty successfully is I launch a book at what's considered a pretty low, low price point for $0.99. Cents. I get a lot of those initial sales, and then from those initial sales and review, Amazon kind of just does the rest of the legwork. They, once they see that little bit of, hey, there's, this book has a, some, some marketability, there's some audience, there's, there's some sales, they actually do a lot of the internal sales that they do um, you know, as far as their email campaigns and attaching book to co- people's other customers also bought. But I guess to answer your question is I really just kind of delved really into the to what I felt was a better marketing strategy, which is launching a book for ninety nine cents. So okay, so let's take a step back. So so you've you've done all these businesses, you did the eBay business, it worked out for a while, you moved out of your parents' house, but but we're talking it seems like a, a, a common theme was uh, bulk businesses, like do, doing quantity. So you, you had all these different activities that were making money for you. And, and with that, you put started to rebuild your life in New Jersey. What happened next? Um, well, basically, I eventually did stumble on – not stumble, actually put effort into it. But I eventually did uh, build a couple of reliable internet businesses, and it goes back to email marketing. But I really got heavily into affiliate marketing, which I pretty much did up to the point where I found Kindle Publishing. And that was pretty successful. Like the idea you build an email list around a topic, you provide free content, and if you find an affiliate offer, um, you promote it, and then you get what's basically a sales commission. So, uh, so, so let, let me ask you, what, what's like an example, a very specific example uh, that you did? Um, I would say I kind of did a lot of exercise and dating offers. So basically, obviously, I would do a front end of some sort of, uh, you know, how to lose how to lose weight in like 50 steps or something. I'm trying to use a, a random example. And basically, you get a bunch of people who are particularly interested in that topic. And I would basically provide content to them. At the same time, I would find a couple of really good products I felt of, 
were valuable to the end uh, user and to promote those. So it was kind of a, a, a merging of good content with also some pretty um, aggressive marketing. And since then, I've kind of dialed back the aggressive marketing angle, or at least what I, I'd like to think I do. And and were those good businesses? Like, were, were was the affiliate fees high enough that they pay the bills? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really liked it, but I also felt it just – I didn't like the idea of absolutely running a business where I always had to promote the latest good offer. And I guess you can make the argument with this. I do the same thing with Kindle books, but I felt that sometimes I promote something else. They charge 70 bucks, and sometimes I really didn't feel like it was really worth 70 bucks. And I just – a little bit of guilt was involved where I just didn't really like the entire business I was involved with. I feel that you can be a good ethic, ethical affiliate marketer, but it's also kind of a slippery slope sometimes. And I know we're covering a lot of stuff really, really quickly, but it's really fascinating to me. You, how would you build the list? Would you put Google ads up like, here, here's a free report, 50 ways to lose weight? Uh, yeah. The, um, at the time, it was a lot easier kind of um, – gim- I don't want to use the word gimmick, but it's easier to get people to torture your email list because basically all you have to do is just basically create a free report, a squeeze page, which is basically the place that you sell your, your book for free. Uh, not sell, but basically promote your book for free. And then there are a lot of sites like easingarticles.com, and back then YouTube was really easy. You just create free content on all these sites that basically drive people back to that single page. So really you didn't even need a, a blog or any sort of content type of uh, machine that we have now with podcasts, YouTube channels, or uh, blogging. All you just do is just basically drive free traffic back to a squeeze page. And for a number of years that, that, that worked. Actually, it's still stuff I haven't touched in five years. I'm still kind of making money from just Whoa. for the fact that it ranks well. What was the best way? What was the best method for driving traffic back to the squeeze page? At the time, it was easyinarticles.com, but um, basically, they had a really good. They, they were given natural ranking preference in Google, but eventually, Google basically came down and they kind of just shut down that kind of um, that marketing method. Basically, if you want to post articles on easyinarticles.com, it doesn't really do anything for your website now. But back then, you could write an article and it could rank really quickly for a pretty much in demand keyword. You could drive a lot of traffic back to your squeeze page. What what would you do now if you were going to be in that business? Where um, would you uh, post? I would say that's actually part of the problem. I would say probably what I would do now is kind of what I'm currently doing, but just a different uh, revenue stream. But I would basically build a whole um, authority niche around one particular topic by blogging what you do, podcasting, YouTube channels. Um, I would actually, honestly, I would write Kindle books, um, and that's probably why I do it all the time now because I feel that. You can really build an audience just by writing uh, mini books. And actually, I really did agree with your assessment before. I, I do consider them kind of mini books. Yeah. So, so okay. So, let's get into that. So, so when was your first uh, – when did you write your first Kindle book? I wrote that February 2012. Wow. So, okay. And, and uh, that was called what I, what I said before. I don't even remember the title now. Yeah. It's, and looking back, it's, it's such a spammy-sounding title, but it's – it's 55 ways to make money online, and I honestly forget the subtitle, but that was basically I just took five old blog posts that basically talked about the different uh, revenue streams and just threw it into a Kindle book, really honestly not knowing what I was doing, just kind of threw it up there and just thought it might be a good traffic generator more than anything. And, and you know, I, I just want to point out you self-published. You didn't have a publisher for it or anything because oh, no. on, on Kindle – it's ridiculous, and we keep saying Kindle, but just in general with books, it's ridiculous to have a publisher that's going to take fifteen percent. That's going to take eighty-five percent of the profits when you could when Amazon allows you to publish a book, and they're the biggest publisher in the world, and they only take thirty percent of the profits. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I once I actually really discovered what I had with Amazon, I was just amazed at what, what the opportunity that they they provide to authors or or even bloggers. 
And how did that first book sell? Um, it did – actually, it did terribly come to think of it. I was about to say it did well, but the first couple of months, it was I, – I, like I kind of mentioned this before, but I just considered it more of a traffic generation strategy. I really honestly truly didn't believe it would actually make money. So I, I threw it up there, and I had a follow-up book a couple of months later. And I remembered that I had the first book in what they call KDP Select. And at the time, you could give away a book for free for five days, and it would actually kind of trick Amazon into saying, hey, it's a good book, and then suddenly you would get some initial sales. Well, I put that first book under KDP Select for five days, and when I looked at the stats afterwards, it was selling you know five to seven copies a day, which was 10 15 bucks, Not bad at all for something that was more of an afterthought, and that's kind of what gave me the kind of Kindle bug where, where I was like, well, I knew the first two books really weren't my best efforts. What if I actually sat down and wrote a detailed book instead of blog posts, just write a really detailed book about specific tactics and try to do that once every month? And, and, and what was that third book? It was a, and looking back, I guess I really didn't have the authority, but basically it was about how to find good ebook ideas, even though the first two weren't, weren't that good. But I basically kind of reverse engineered what I was figuring out with Amazon and just wrote a book about that. But I knew at the time I couldn't get away with writing a book, write like one of those meta topics, like writing a book about how to write a book or even write a book about how to sell books because I really didn't have the authority. But I felt I was really good at least discovering what are good ideas for books. So I just wrote a whole book about that. Well, well, okay, this leads to two questions. What is authority? Like, who has authority in anything? That's honestly something I debate with myself. Um, I would like to think of myself for, for running. I would like to think of myself as an absolute authority, but um, sometimes I, I don't know if I'd really even want to get into that um, just because it's the sheer volume of the topic. But I would say really the, the definition for me is, is at least you know, you know more than what most people do. You at least have some knowledge. And or you at least have some passion and stuff that you've tested on your own, or have some life experience in that particular topic. But I would say it really is in, is in the, the reader. There's honestly probably people that buy my habit books that probably know more than I do. But I would like to think that at the end of the day, I know a little bit more than most people. Well, you've been so involved in at least online in the habits of not only weight loss and health and running, but but writing is a, a huge habit. So. Uh, you know, that has over time made you an authority on all these different topics. But let me ask you, what are, how do you find good nonfiction ideas? You, you have several books about how to find good nonfiction ideas for, uh, for books. So, so what are some of the ideas? Um, well, there's two answers. There's the, what I do for myself and then what I recommend. Uh, what I do for myself nowadays is really just kind of what I'm personally interested in. Like, for instance, a couple of months ago, I really like what was, really kind of annoying thing for me was handling email and I was just spending hours a day responding to email and it was just really just eating into my life and my free time. So I really just kind of got down a whole system of the old inbox zero uh, type of concept. I really just practiced it for myself for a couple of months and I felt just the experience from that made a good book. Uh, honestly, that one doesn't sell very well, so sometimes my, my book ideas aren't the greatest. Um, but for me, it's just always come down to personal experience. But what I recommend is just basically kind of reverse engineering the Amazon marketplace um, I would say start out by looking at blogs, forums, um, um, basically Yahoo Answers, uh, even ClickBank, which is kind of a depository of information products. Basically just look at what's out there and kind of use those to see what's selling and basically just write down, I would say, 50 ideas. Literally just keep on writing down every possible idea and then go to Amazon and just keep on looking at different books and seeing how they're ranking. And the litmus test I used for a long time is the 20,000 rule, but it's kind of bumped up the 30,000 rule. But basically, if you look at the Amazon bestsellers and if you see the number, any number below 
the number 30,000, that means it sells at least five copies a day. And if you're selling a book at two ninety nine, that's about ten bucks a day. It's not a huge amount of money, but if you have a catalog books that are each selling ten bucks a day, it could quickly add up. So I kind of yeah, like, like to use like a combination. If you, if you start selling three hundred books, you know now you have forty. But if you get up to like three hundred books, that's uh, three thousand bucks a day. Yeah, it's like I know obviously the mass on, and some books the, the sales will drop down and some books will just really take off like like what I've had a co- happen with a couple of few but like I like the I like the idea of basically just five sales a day is what I'm happy with for pretty much any book in my catalog. And uh, so so like today for instance I don't know if you went through this exercise today but like what would be some ideas in ClickBank or in, on Amazon that you might find today that because you also seem to be on one particular category which is like the personal improvement category so like what what books would you look for today or or, th- or what titles would you think about today um, I would say see that this one this is a hard one to answer because I actually really also really believe in the idea of building authority on a platform and not going hopping from idea to idea. But I know for a fact that Minecraft is a big popular idea right now. Um, I, I actually don't even really know what that is. It's like some type of video game or something. Yeah, but I know I that a lot of kids play it. It's big on YouTube. Yeah, I know people play that all the time. I would say maybe a Candy Crush strategy guide, um, Wheat Belly Diet. I know it's, I see stuff like that popping up. Um, but all that being said, I really don't believe in the idea of basically finding a topic just because it's selling well right now and just writing a book about that. Because honestly, from my experience, what's been the driver of most of my sales is building a whole brand around a catalog of books with the idea that, hey, if someone likes one habit book, the more inclined to go buy a second habit book, a third book, a fourth book, a fifth book. You're not going to piggyback trends, for instance. Like if Kim Kardashian is is trending on Twitter, you're not going to write a book about Kim Kardashian. No, I, I don't. But I know people who do, and I'm sure they do it successfully. But I, I think my strategy is more of the slow play, but I figure that ultimately you will do better have a more successful business long term if you just stick to one topic and basically also build an email list around it, like build a whole authority just about writing about one type of Kindle books. So I, I feel like your topics, and they're all sort of related, you write about writing, you write about uh, how to make money online, you write about you know healthy habits, and um, you know those are kind of your main, your main things. I would say right now, and I, I I would like to think that down the road in a couple of years when I start a family and stuff like that, I'll probably come out with a parenting habit or relationship habits. Like I like the idea of any type of habits because honestly, I like just testing new things in my life and just seeing if I can improve my life in some way just by developing small to new little routines. And so, so okay, so the the third book came out, and when did you start seeing like money trickle in? And then and then how does the um, how does the flow work? Like you, you obviously, you know, get people to come to your blog. You get people to sign up to your list. What else do you sell off of that? Um, well, let me try answering the two questions separately. Yeah. Um, the first one, like the third one's when I really started picking things, started picking up. Um, that was September 2012, and then I, I wasn't making a lot of money. I think if I look back, I think I was making a couple hundred bucks a month from at that point. But then I came up with the fourth and fifth and sixth books. And basically those were all basically internet business books cause just because I ran a business for about eight years before that. So I kind of knew the, like how to get blog traffic. I knew how to um, – basically after writing a couple of books, I knew how to write a book pretty fast. I know about how to make a little bit of money from YouTube. So I basically took all these little small little niche strategies I kind of knew and just wrote whole books about them and just based them, based them off of my own experiences and – I would say by December 2012, I was making a couple thousand a month, and then from there, it's just been progressively getting a little bit better. But kind of like I mentioned before, some months it would go down a little bit. So from September 2012 
to December 2012, you went from making a few hundred to a few thousand. Is that because yeah. you wrote a, a whole bunch of more books or like what did you do? Yeah, I would say really my only major strategy, and um, let me also preface this one quick thing, but my major strategy was basically write a book every three weeks, and that just I stuck to that schedule pretty, pretty well for I would say at least four months. Uh, but what also kind of the one benefit I have that unfortunately a lot of people don't have is I was blogging for a couple of years up to that point about internet business, so I did have a, a, a collection of email subscribers. And at the time, my basic my strategy was just release a book for free for a couple of days and just basically be like, hey, the book's free, guys. Uh, please just do me a favor, go review it. And I would get 30, 40 reviews pretty much overnight just by giving away a book for free. And I kind of milked that strategy for all it's worth. But kind of what I mentioned before, that giving away a book for free, I've moved away from that strategy. Right, right. So, so okay, so we're, we're at the beginning of 2013. How many, bo- how many books do you have out at that point? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think at that point, I think I said seven or eight. And, and what, was it, your most, what was your most successful one at that point? Mine was the kind of the meta book about how to write a book in 21 days. So basically, I wrote a book about writing a book. And that one, I, that one did I, pretty I well love that one. one. Oh, thanks. Uh, actually, that, and that was actually the moment where I found my e-cover designer. I really felt that really was a huge, made a huge difference in my business because I feel that he has a particular good eye for creating really awesome e-covers. Um, as a side note, if anyone wants the name of this guy, just email me and I can I can supply his name. But uh, but yeah, I think I felt like he did a really good job with that particular e-cover. And just since then, I've really felt I've been kind of having a visual representation of my brand just by what he designs. Why Why are you so open with like total? You're totally giving away your whole strategy, and now you're your cover guy. Like anybody can um, wake up tomorrow, use your call your cover guy, and write. Um, you know, 10 steps to uh, writing the best nonfiction book in the world? Um, I've, I've had people rip me off, but I, I, I'll be honest, I feel that most people will do, do themselves a disservice if all they're doing is just ripping people off. And to be honest, my strategy involves just a lot of hard work, and most people don't really want to do the hard work. And I'm sure they could shortcut a couple of my suggestions, but I've honestly, the people I look up to online, like the Pat Flynn's of the world, the people are the, that actually are the most open about everything that they do. And I feel that Long term wise, they do the best, so it's only it only makes sense to model them and to really just be honest about what works. And a lot of times, I'm honest about what doesn't work for me. Right. So, so okay. So you're at a couple thousand. You're at, you're at several thousand a month. You know, in early 2013, and uh, you're writing a book every three weeks. You've stuck to that, I think, pretty much through now. Like I I see a new book from you every three or four weeks. Uh, uh, what's been What's been working? How How has the strategy evolved? What What's going on? Um, I would say about – so I would say right around February or March 13, I would uh, I would keep – same thing, internet business books. I keep on releasing. And I got three or four negative reviews, and they really got to me. And one of them – basically, it was the same thing, that this guy, all he does is make money online by teaching people make money online. And yeah, I definitely – I could definitely say I was de- doing that at the time. And I was so convinced that I, I knew what I was talking about, that I, I was convinced I could go into any market – write about it consistently in that market and still turn a profit. And basically, I just said, challenge accepted. I'm going to find a market that I'm really interested in, just write books about that. So I went through a month or two of trying to figure out what I was going to write about. And I chose just the habits market because I felt that at the end of the day, everything I learned in the past decade since kind of my lowest point in my life had to do with habits. So I just sat down, same thing, and just wrote about small little habits of either I've learned or basically that I could at least um, – teach someone just from my own experiences and if i didn't know about a topic i would just go out and test it for a couple of months and then write about it but i just felt that 
the idea there that I felt that you really could just basically build a brand on Kindle just by writing about one specific topic. And the, the harder you work and the more books you produce, the better of a business you'll have. Yeah, and, and I see that, you know, you developed another persona, the S.J. Scott persona, and the last three books are Habit Stacking, 23 Anti-Procrastination Habits, and Writing Habit Mastery, How to Write 2,000 Words a Day and Forever Cure Writer's Block. So so it seems like you, you almost use that persona to really kind of do the habits, but it still revolves around Internet businesses and writing and so on. Yeah, it's still like I started habits with the, the glorious idea that only write about specific habits. But at the end of the day, I realized I, I know a lot about like productivity and time management. So fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not too sure which way you look at it. It would I just a lot of that, that time management stuff definitely creeps into my books is I'm like a basically a time management junkie. Well, like, um, tell me about your typical day so, so I understand what that means. Uh, sure. Basically, I get up every morning and I do my one thing. Uh, that's basically, for me, it's whatever is the, the thing that either could be the biggest growth of my business or the one thing I'm working or the one challenge I'm having. Uh, to give two examples, for a long time, writing was my, my basically my first thing I would do. Writing before I open up my email, look at Facebook or anything, I would just sit down and write for two or three hours. And right now, honestly, my biggest challenge is I'm having trouble with uh, recording video. I'm trying to actually create extensive um, video course. So I'm just not really a natural um, presenter. I just don't really – I'm not comfortable talking information. So I know if I don't do it right away, I'll tend to procrastinate on. So I force myself to do video for the first couple hours a day. And then I also like the kind of the most important things that Leo Babato talks about is basically write down three things that – could be like three things are basically our most important part of your day. So I do those like those three things in the morning. So the one thing is part of that. And then I find two other small projects that are really have the biggest benefit to my life. So I do those things, those three things right away before anything else. And then the rest of the day, I'm just kind of closing loops. I'm answering emails. I'm doing small little projects, but a lot of stuff that doesn't take a lot of high energy, a lot of, uh, or a lot of like um, mental brain power. I just, I tend to do the hot and heavy stuff right in the morning and then just kind of the, lower energy stuff in the afternoon then i go to starbucks and kind of hmm. putter around for the rest of the day exercise that sort of thing that's a, that's a good life well well yeah. what what did you write about today i wrote actually um i did those videos pretty much all this morning and today i wrote actually that's why i was thinking about the, the decade ago i basically wrote an email that i'm going to use as an autoresponder about how habits saved my life so it's basically i realized that recently my email sequence really doesn't have much personality behind it so i it's kind of a a long, heartfelt explanation of really what I feel passionate about habits and really what, what I was like 10 years ago, which is, I was basically a loser. So kind of the evolution of a few habits that really helped me along the way. Could I tell you from my from my own personal experience and also I've I've read quite a few of your, your things you, and all of your stuff's great. I really am impressed. But when you start telling your personal stories, your your reader interest and loyalty is going to skyrocket because that's what people want to know. It's like when I was a kid, you know, I would read about a superhero, but my favorite comic book was Secret Origins, which tells yeah. the origins behind every superhero. And that's people want to know this is where I'm at. How can I relate to what this author is saying? And if you give the personal stories, they can relate and then they really take off with you. Yeah. And honest, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I know all this stuff. But I'm like sometimes I have problems with my confidence and sometimes I sit and as I'm writing, I'm like, well, people really don't want to hear about like all a bunch of stories that I have. They'd rather just get the, the meat of the topic. And I, I do believe in good like step-by-step strategies, but sometimes I tend to leave the personality out of that. And that's that's something I really I really need to work on. I'm trying to make a concerted effort, but you're absolutely you, right. 
You know, my problem is I'm the reverse. I actually think no one is going to be interested in anything I say unless I tell my personal story. And 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 it's it's. I hate to bring Buddhism into this, but even Buddha said, "Don't try any any of my advice. This is just what works for me." And you can then take it or leave it. It works for me. And so he started from the personal story. I mean, the guy obviously was an expert marketer for his day and age, you know, <laughs> 500 B.C. And uh, he did it by telling his own personal story. And that's that's what works now, too. No, I feel you're absolutely right. And I, I've read your Choose Yourself, and I really enjoyed all the personal stuff, and all, especially the, all the struggles that you talked about. It really does engage the reader, and I, sh- I should know better. I should, should definitely include some of the stuff in my books. So out of your 41 books, what's done the best and why? Um, the one recently, uh, the habit stacking, that's been in the top 100 or hovering around the top 100 for a couple of weeks now. So it's done exceptionally well for me. Um, to be honest, why? Um, I've actually been trying to reverse engineer that over the last week or so. I would say maybe the cover, it has a catchy cover. I feel that the, it actually teaches a kind of a concept that probably no one's really ever talked about before. And I, I'm sure like the 97 small changes, it, it basically speaks to a couple of quick things that people can add to their life with a, a whole new way of doing it without taking up too much time. I, I guess just the, the marketing presentation behind it is pretty solid. And uh, it, uh, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I'll tell you my opinion because I, I've seen this in a lot of places. It's the subtitle uh, and it's the end of the subtitle where you say these small life changes take five minutes or yeah. less like everybody everybody wants to work the four-hour work week or they want to have they want to make changes that take five minutes or less or they want to be more productive without doing anything new like i just see this in general and not not because people are lazy they're not but i think people don't know they, they want to figure out the things that are out there that really are possible to learn in five minutes or less, or they want to learn how to spend 36 hours a week doing things that they enjoy and only work for four hours. <laughs> so they know these things are possible, but they don't know. They want to know the path that gets them there. And so I think when you throw that time element in, I'll bet you if you look back, your time, the ones where you give specific times do the best. You know, what, uh, to be honest, you're probably right, because I know the 21, write a book in 21 days, that was another one that sold really well for, for a long time. And yeah, I guess it, it speaks to basically giving people small wins or something that can immediately apply into their life. And I'm a firm believer in hard work and diligence, but sometimes it's hard to market hard work and diligence. Yeah, so, so okay, so, so all together now, um, you've got 41 books. This habit stacking one's going to do great for you this month. Obviously, you'll make a few thousand just from that. And I'm sure things like 23 Andrew Procrastination Habits, all these books probably are good, consistent earners. What do you then do to to supplement income further? Uh, to be perfectly honest, right now, I'm, uh, besides uh, I still make some, some decent money from affiliate marketing from just stuff I've done over years ago. Um, but really, I would say 80% of my income is just Kindle right now. I don't really – I am in a process of putting together information product about my experiences with Kindle. But for now, it's really – I'm just making pretty much everything just from that one platform. And so you're, so you're earning about almost a 1000 on average, almost $1,000 a book from Kindle. Now, I know some are much less and some are much more, but this seems to be the average. And, and I bet you that average will hold on as you write more books. Yeah, I feel that there definitely is an 80-20 here that I would say there's a couple that do exceptionally well. And there's a couple that really don't sell more than one or two copies a month. So it's And sometimes it really just takes you publishing continuously to really find out what those slam dunks are. 
Um, you know what this reminds me of? And gosh, I should remember the name right off the top of my head. But the guy in the 1920s who wrote like a thousand blue books, like they were all the books were blue and they had like all these titles kind of like yours, like, you know, how to avoid procrastination, how to they would even have like, you know, he would divide it into lots of categories. So he had a biography category. So like a biography of, you know, Napoleon or he would have a, a ro- romantic category. So like how to kiss better uh, or how to how to, you know, pick up a woman or whatever. And and he literally I think he had about a thousand books and altogether he sold over a hundred million copies of these blue books and each one was a nickel. So at the time he was he was making a small profit on each one. But if a book sold less than ten thousand a month, he would start to drop it from the catalog. Like he was very disciplined and he would do a lot of testing. Like he would change the titles. So he would have some obscure title that would sell nothing and then he would change it to um you know, how to have a blonde mistress. And suddenly that would skyrocket to 30,000 books a month. And he would do lots of testing. So I'm just curious if you do any testing on your titles or... Um, I should. Oh, I, I think of the old thing about how to win friends and influence people. I, I, I forgot what the original title was, but I know they changed it to that. And almost overnight, the sales side started skyrocketing. But um, yeah, I do... I'm kind of ghetto when it comes to my testing. I guess I should be a little bit better about it, but I do run it by a couple of people. I'm in a, a Facebook group with a Kindle publisher, so if I'm really struggling with the title, I'll throw a couple up there. Um, I do recommend a couple services. I think there's PickFu, P-I-C-K-F-U.com, that you can basically get 50 different people to basically vote on a, a particular title choice. And there's also basically Mechanical Turk, that's mturk.com. M-U-T-R-K dot com. Uh, basically, both sites, you can just pull a lot of people in a short amount of time and just basically get people to pick your title. I, I have been meaning to try those. I just haven't really like had a chance yet. But um, I do once in a while will throw a different e-cover if I feel that books are slipping that used to do pretty well. But for the most part, I really try to do all the heavy lifting before I even uh, launch my book. Have you also tried um, rewriting a book enough that Amazon then sends out an automated email uh, saying this book has changed so completely you might want to buy it again. I have not. I know people who do that, but it seems that strategy always kind of, to me, seems a little bit dodgy. Like, I, I guess if you really do a good job of rewriting it, but I'd almost rather take the book down and just rewrite the whole thing and just build a whole new audience behind the book and maybe improve it. And There are a couple of books that are on my list to, to basically do a whole new version of. So I see. So so right now you 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 make money off the books, but the books drive an email list. But the email list is not like you're upselling any other products. You're just when the next book's released, you you'll inform your email list. Hey, I've got a new book out. Yeah, um, it, it really is like the whole jab 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 right hook that Gary Vaynerchuk talks about. Yeah, and, when, and, and Gary's Car- been on the show here as well. Yeah, I, I think I, I did hear it. I, I do remember hearing that episode. Um, but I really like his whole idea of basically give, 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 then ask. And when I really looked at the numbers, and I've tried promoting a few things on my email list, but they really didn't go anywhere, I really realized that basically I don't really need to do anything else but provide a couple of really good solid emails, send them some content, and then when I have a new book, just basically beg and, and plead as much as I can for people to go buy it and leave a review. And that's all I really need to do right now just to try sales, just as long as I get as many sales as possible. When a book launches, it tends to just drive – Amazon tends to pick up the rest of the, the slack and does a lot of marketing for me. What's your ratio of like let's say uh, free content uh, that you send via your emails to the begging emails? I would say for now, I would say it's about 
75% um, free content, 25% begging. But that I'm definitely trying to actually increase the number of free content. And that's the whole idea behind that story is I'm trying to actually become more personable and more engaging on the in- individual email list and maybe have five to seven emails that really kind of speak to the individual reader. And hopefully when it comes time to ask for something, they'll know me better as a person. I mean, I think, you know, you, you talk about uh, personal stories, but I, I do want to say that I think the transparency both in your books and on your website is admirable. Like, I mean, you, you, you talk about exactly how much you make. I love your last post where you talk about exactly, and you break down the numbers, which marketing strategies work. So you have a lot of transparency, and people really appreciate that. That builds a lot of loyalty. Uh, maybe talk about that last post. Like, what, what are the best, mar- like, you have 41 books. How do you market these things, and what are the, what are the best marketing techniques? Um, well, basically what I did was about a year ago, uh, April, I used uh, Amazon Associate links. And basically what Amazon Associates is, it's an affiliate program that Amazon runs where you can promote books um, through the affiliate link or pretty much promote anything on Amazon through affiliate links. But what this program gives you is also it shows you the, the exact clicks, conversion rates, and how much you made on every sale. So you could literally create an affiliate link for every type of promotion you do. And I decided I want to track each specific marketing campaign that I did with all my books. So I would track the, the sidebar widget on my blog. So how many people clicked on that? How many people bought through that? I, I tracked the individual email campaigns. I tracked uh, mentions in the blog posts. I pretty much tracked everything that I, I could possibly think of. And at the end of the day, really with the results of the post was – Everything was predicated on email marketing. Like I bought a bunch of Fiverr gigs and Facebook advertisements. Those didn't really go anywhere. And all the stuff I thought was awesome marketing strategies, they sold maybe a few books, but they didn't really do much for the overall brand. But my the biggest uh, sales and the, the ones that really moved a lot of uh, sales was the, that initial email or even the follow-up email where I basically said, I have a new book, go check it out. And really that's that's – I would say if that's an 80-20 – most of my sales are driven just by that first initial email. So for me, it made sense just to really focus on that one strategy and to stop puttering around with all this other stuff that doesn't really work as well. And what's, and what's the best way you found to build the email list? Um, it's, it's cyclical. I found that actually Kindle books helped me build the books, helped me build the email list to sell more Kindle books. <laughs> but where, where, a, where, do you, where do you put the sign up for the email list? You put it in the beginning or the end? In the beginning, and I just have a free report, uh, 77 Good Habits Develop a Better Life or something like that. I forget the actual title. And I just send them right to a squeeze page that I run through the Lead Pages software. And now I'm, I'm, turn, I'm currently testing a couple other things. I'm testing uh, search engine traffic, blogging, and SlideShare. I'm trying to drive traffic from those sites as well. But for now, it's really the Kindle list is really – or the Kindle books is what's really growing the email list. It sounds like also uh, you mentioned in your post that SlideShare was really good for building the email list, not for yes. selling books, for for building the email list. Yeah, exactly. I tried to do direct sales, so I had a couple uh, basically repurposed content, like from the procrastination book. I had a couple uh, stuff out to procrastination. I tried to have a direct sales at the end, and those didn't convert at all. But I found that those same uh, presentations, as long as you provide a decent uh, deck or SlideShare presentation, people will go to your email list and join. And so I'm trying to really leverage that and trying to increase the success with that uh, strategy right now. What about um, working with other people who have authoritative voices and, and big email lists? Like, have you tried working, you know, deals with them? Uh, the one thing I'm exploring are the, all the paid advertisement platforms, um, BookBub, eReader, Newsday, all the ones that really promise to promote books for you. Um, that, definitely I'm going to throw some money at that and see how well those convert. Um, you know, unfortunately, they don't really have score tracking links, so I just kind of have to 
take them at the word that they're actually doing it. I, I've tried that, and they don't really work so well, for, at no. least for me. Um, <laughs> but I, I will tell you, I'll tell you my number. So on Choose Yourself, uh, so far it's sold about 150,000 copies, and 40,000 of that was through uh, direct email marketing. So email marketing by far was number one for marketing. You know, and then and the that, rest was mostly organic. Is that email marketing through your list, or were you just able to talk to people in your and uh, like people that you know and like friends and stuff? People would reach out to me and say, "I really love your book. Can I promote it on my email list?" And we'll do a fifty-fifty split. And then I would put together like we did this actually. So Stansbury and Associates is hosting this podcast. Uh, Porter Stansbury has an email list. Uh, we put together a bundle uh, of Choose Yourself hardcover, which wasn't being released by Amazon, and I threw in some free books, and uh, we priced the bundle at $20. I think the real value was something like $60, and then we split 50-50. The result, he sold 30,000 copies in like two weeks. Oof. And, uh, yeah, it was great. And, um, and then one other group uh, sold about 10,000 copies. So email marketing was really powerful. Like, so I think your strategy of, of just focusing on the email list, nothing is stronger. Number two uh, was Reddit was very strong for me. Really? I, I, I've had some traffic from Reddit. It doesn't convert at all, but I think that's more just blog traffic. I, I wasn't, it was more of a random thing than an actual trying to concerted effort on my part. Yeah, uh, Reddit Reddit was good because I did an AMA, you know, and ask me anything. And uh, so if you did like an AMA about habits or, or how to make, you know, if you did an AMA how to make 40000 a month on the Internet, you would make, what happened was people who weren't aware of me at all suddenly became aware of me and bought the book. Hmm. I'll definitely check that out. I, I actually do remember, you know, you're, I think you're talking to Gary Vaynerchuk about that strategy in, the, in that yeah. one interview. Yeah, 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 actually, I wrote that. It was one of those writer downers, and I forgot to write it down and actually follow up on it. <laughs> so so what's your next couple of books that are coming out? Um, lately, I've been really kind of just trying to fine-tune my to-do list, and kind of I use a couple of different to-do lists, and I really felt that kind of helps my productivity, so I'm writing about that. And I've been really in, getting into the Evernote app, so I've really been using that to kind of manage my entire life. So those wow. are the next two. And um, there's another strategy. You can basically put a book for free on Amazon through just a couple little techniques. So the one after that is basically I'm going to write about how to develop good habits and kind of repurposing some blog content, but put it more of a step-by-step strategy. But I, I hope to actually get that completely for free on Amazon so I can use that to kind of drive uh, people potentially who would want to check out my other books. And now, now that you've built this channel, like, have you thought, and I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but have you thought about writing like a novel or, uh, you know, a book on how to cure cancer or anything like this, like taking you out of your, your bread and butter? Um, I guess so. I did talk one time to, um, like an actual for real, uh, publishing company. I just don't really, I don't know. I don't really have the interest there. And I, I know like getting to New York best times bestseller, like that's like a dream of most people. I don't really have any desire to, to have that happen. I'd rather, I'm kind of happy with my own little niche that I have right now. And well, the idea you know, of writing a book is pretty daunting. You know, you know how many copies it took last week. So this is a, a very good publishing month, you know, May. Uh, so a lot of people buying books, I guess, you know how many books it took to get to be number 20th on the New York times bestseller list, uh, last week. What was that? Um, just try to guess. Uh, I would say 5,000 copies, 1800, 1800, Wow. Yeah. 
So, so being on the New York Times, and, and, and that's a guy, whoever it was, I don't know who it was, whoever it was was published by a mainstream publisher because you can't really self-publish and get on the list. So he got only 15% royalty on 1,800 copies. So it, you basically make no money being on the New York Times bestseller list. I almost shouldn't say this out loud. Maybe New York Times will, like, <laughs> block me after this. But, uh, uh, you know, so I think your strategy of making... 40000 a month and growing is a lot more powerful than a strategy of getting on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, well, I'll let me do say that. Like, I think that I'll probably reach 40000 this month, but it's not a very typical month. I Usually I do lately anywhere from 20 to 25. So this Yeah, but you never good. know. Like, have it, you're, you know, what's, what's showing me is that your skills are getting better. You have more books out there, so there's no reason to think it's going to go down a lot. And, you know, you're going to have more books out in the next month. So Yeah, you never know. Going. Well, that, that's shocking for the like I knew the New York Best Times it was the low volume but I, I've definitely done that in the last week I've done like triple that in the last week so man I wish I kind of wish I had a book out there well you know eventually they'll do ebooks I bet on the New York Times you know they do ebooks now but you also have to be in bookstores at the same yeah. time so uh, uh, so like the and I'm talking about number 20th on the advice list which is r- roughly the same as the nonfiction list and you, you'd be on the advice list anyway um, but if you were if you were um published by a mainstream publisher uh, and you were in bookstores and ebooks, even if it was just your ebook selling, that's all you would need to sell is 1,800 copies. Yeah. Oh, wow. It really doesn't seem that much. So, so uh, you know, you don't do anything with like ads on your website. It's all just kind of Kindle. Yeah, I just, I, I guess those hard lessons I learned way back when, even from the initial Evil Eye Jewelry site, is that you really just want to focus on building your brand and I really try not to dilute it by just sending people all over the place to different products and offers. Uh, I, that being said, there are, there are a couple of people that I really like their books. I'll, like, I'll recommend those, but those are on more of a, I just like this book. So you should go check it out, not like a trying to make money avenue. But yeah, I just felt it's, it's better just to grow your brand. And really, since email marketing is really my one thing that's really driving sales, I should just really focus on a, getting as many people as possible on my list, and B, really engaging them. So when they do come time for the ask, they'll actually go buy the book. And, and how big is your list now? Um, right now, I have two different lists. For the internet marketing list, I have 13,000. And for the habits list, I think it's right today, it was like 7,500. That's great. Okay. And, and what, what made you decide to be two people, SJ Scott and Steve Scott? And you know, your <laughs> photos even look totally different. Between the two authors, yeah, I actually really don't. I don't think I do. I'm not even trying to hide the fact that they're two separate people. I basically, I'm pretty honest about it. I just right. the reason I chose those two is because I didn't want habit people to suddenly see a bunch of internet marketing books and potentially lose a sale because that's nothing to do with what they want to learn. And same goes for pretty much internet business. I want basically have two totally separate lines where basically people can read the type of content they want to read. But you know, um, though, like like internet marketing um, feels like declutter your inbox to me as well. You know, they're yeah. all kind of related. And I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to say I definitely promote I definitely promote the habit books to the internet marketing crowd. I'm not I'm not afraid to do that. But I also feel that if you're in the habits market and you don't run an internet business, it, I don't want to potentially lose a lifelong customer just by them getting confused looking at. 55 ways to make money online. I want to make absolutely sure that they, they get the book that they want to read. And unfortunately, the way Amazon's designed is really hard to set up a really pleasing dashboard where I can't, I can't really tuck those books away. Uh, I, they have to be front and center. So if you have more than 30, 40 books, it gets really cluttered on the actual dashboard well, or uh, the actual uh, author page. You know, I love your strategy of 
using different Amazon Associates affiliate links to track your essentially your your book analytics. You know, Amazon offers no platform for tracking analytics. And I've talked to Amazon about this. They are interested in eventually doing it, but it's it takes a lot of work. So your way your workaround is very powerful. I I think it's a business idea. I think you can basically go to an off any author who has a lot of books or go to a publisher and say we have a way of tracking um, analytics across marketing programs uh, across all of your books. You know, charge Harper Collins like you know five thousand bucks per book per month, and they've got two hundred books they want to track. Uh, I bet you you can make a lot of money that way. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you could. Um, that being said, I I recently learned that maybe putting associates links in emails is not really is not allowed according to Amazon Associates Term of Services. So I might have to rethink that. Like for me, the worst thing that happens, I lose my associates account, which doesn't really make a whole lot of money for me. But I'm not too sure it's completely kosher with what with their rules. I see. Um, I see right now actually in self help. Uh, S.J. Scott is ahead of is right ahead of Ryan Holiday in your author rank. You know, if you had S.J. Scott and Steve Scott combined, you might be like the number one self help author in the world right now on Amazon. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, too bad I didn't combine these books. But I, I, I made a decision. I made a decision for a specific reason. I, I like to stick to it. And at the end of the day, if I'm not number one, I, it's I guess it's more kind of a vanity metric. I'd rather just run a successful business and have some sort of accolade. I guess. Yeah, and your, your your author rank is number six in business and investing, and numbers one and two are the Freakonomics guys. Then Thomas Piketty, who had the number one book, and then I don't know these next two, and then and then is you, and then you're after you're higher than Michael Lewis, who wrote Flash Boys. Yeah, sometimes I th- well, that's always that's for Kindle books, and I try to remind myself it's just for Kindle books. I'm sure if we did print print versions, they would kill my numbers, but uh, it's kind of cool sometimes seeing my face up to a lot of people I I, I deeply admire. What um, what's your ratio between Kindle books sold and paperbacks? Oh, uh, my my paperbacks are terrible. I would say maybe maybe one percent, two percent. It's really it's a, it's really low. I I say this month I think I've sold one hundred and sixty uh, physical books so far. Really not and, a lot. And why don't you do audiobooks? Because you know the personal improvement category uh, audiobooks like Aud- Amazon owns Audible. Audiobooks do very well. I do actually. Um, six of my or habit stacking is still waiting for approval, but it'll be the number six. But I have six of my habit books. There is an audio version. Oh, okay, great. And how do they do percentage wise? They do well. I would say, I'd say maybe five to ten percent of my Kindle book sales. So nothing like the Kindle books, but they sell pretty well and at a little bit of a higher uh, royalty rate. I think I get three fifty for every uh, for every audio book sold. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was surprised how well audio was. I, I only did it once for my last book, and it was great. Like, the results have been fantastic. No, so, I, I definitely like it, and I, I feel that people are going to be listening to more audio content in the future, so I don't do it myself. I just, I'm not a natural speaker, like I mentioned before, so I, I have a guy who basically records them for me. And so, so I always get worried about if I'm going to do a bunch of small books that I'm almost like saturating my, let's say, my personal brand too much. You know, so I've been doing kind of like a book a year. But, uh, uh, you know, you've, you, you've sort of convinced me, like just seeing you in progress, uh, you know, A, books could be smaller and more frequent and just another outlet uh, for releasing content the way blogs are. Uh, so it's interesting. 
Yeah, I, the way I kind of describe it to myself and others is everyone knows about blogs, and basically the idea of blogs is you write about one particular topic and you kind of deep dive. And everyone knows about books that are pretty much extensive, three, four hundred page books. Well, I've, I like to think of kind of these Kindle books as a little bit more advanced than a blog post, but not quite the multiple levels of edits and all the stuff that goes behind publishing a traditionally published book. But it's just kind of like you basically take a, a a pretty extensive blog post concept and really do your best to answer every possible question about that. And for me, that's what a Kindle book is. It's so, a kind so, of emerging area. So let's take this to the, to the listener who's, who's listening to this right now. They have an interest or a passion. Let's say they're interested in, I don't know, golf or computer programming or starting a business or whatever, um, how can they start doing what, what you've done? Basically, you know, let, you know, let's take them to the end where you have 40 books out there and you're just making this passive income stream that's coming in every day. Well, let's use golf as an example. And forgive me if I screw up any golf terms because I, I don't golf. But um, I, I know from a fact that golfing is like a huge, um, huge market. People absolutely love the idea of golfing. But I would take each individual part of what it takes to be a good golfer and actually break it down into individual small little books. So there's the old, uh, the old how to improve your golf swing or how to take 10 strokes off of your golf whatever. Um, but basically you would break, break it down and I would say like how to – even how to find the best equipment. You could write a whole book about that and maybe even a whole product reviews of certain drivers and putters and that sort of thing. You literally just take the whole broad golf topic and just write a small book about each specific golf topic and just build a brand around these tiny little like topics and just basically I would start with what you know best what is the one thing you really know about golf and you just you write about that and then get some feedback from readers what they like about it what they don't like about it and just keep trying to iterate and improve on every single future book that you release and how would you market that first let's say five or six books before you have like an email list so so the, so you have they sign up for so so you're going to have a, a squeeze page and a, a special report for free so people sign up for the email list but initially you have zero email people on zero people on the email list yeah i would say first off and actually um let, let me go back real quick and just uh, see the first thing you should do is honestly you should start building an email list so you want to create some sort of free report or some sort of um, quick offer that you can get people to join your email list. So that could be your old, um, like how to reduce your strokes or uh, off your golf swing or whatever. Um, but and then where do you get, market that? I would say just put it on a squeeze page or a blog. Uh, I like squeeze page because it's a simple yes or no action. Either they join your list or they don't join your list. And you could you could basically type squeeze pages into Google and people can you can either find templates for free you could go to fiverr.com and pay someone to, to design a quick squeeze page or I use lead pages which is like 30 40 bucks a month it's a little more expensive but basically there's lots of different software out there where you can just host it on a single page and people can either join the list or they don't join your list and then from there I would put put it in the front of um, put it in front of your Kindle book release the Kindle book for free honestly because um like you really don't have an audience there, so trying to release it for nine nine cents, you really just you won't have the traction in it that's required. But you want to start building your audience and start getting those people on email list. And in conjunction with that, I would recommend starting one of three platforms: either a blog, a podcast, or YouTube. Just something where you're providing free content. It could even be free content you ultimately put into a Kindle book, but continuously provide free content and throughout this free content, just kind of bang the drum of join my email list for this free report and try to build. Like try to try to get as many subscribers as possible from this one platform while you're writing Kindle books. And I would just basically how, recommend just to do those two strategies and just repeat those two strategies. 
I see. So you wouldn't necessarily pay for like Google Ads to drive traffic to the Squeeze page. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a bootstrapper. I'm sure if you have a, a bankroll, you could definitely pay for um, traffic. But what I found for paid traffic is you really need to convert that traffic and basically need to make your money back as quick as possible. And I just don't see the ROI on Kindle books being as – I don't really think you can make your money back as well if you're having these lower-end ticket products. Well, if you um, think about it, Amazon is probably one of the biggest search engines on the planet, and it ties right in very highly to the Google search engine. So – what better place? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like the idea of you're basically building your platform at the same time as you're making money. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would say, don't be afraid of making mistakes or writing something maybe that doesn't go over well. Like I've, I've had a couple of books that are complete disasters that just, I thought they're great ideas and they just, they, they tanked and just like what? Uh, uh, resolutions that stick. I was so absolutely sure that would be an awesome slam dunk book right around New Year's Eve. And, no one want no one want to be lectured to about uh, changing their new or the way they approach New Year's resolutions. So no, basically, it was, you know what I would do? I would write a book why you don't need to do any resolutions anymore. Like because people don't want to do stuff. Yeah, I kind of I kind of try to hook them in with the idea that they want to find about resolutions. But basically, the whole book is a lecture about how you don't need New Year's resolutions. It's better to create goals and and to do things in small increments. But yeah, it that book tanked. It was it was I did make. My money back that I made, that I invested for the e-cover and the edits and all that, but yeah, it, it sells like two copies a month. So you keep track of the PML for each book. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. What's PML? The, the PML profit and loss. Oh yeah, I definitely. I, I'm I'm a big believer in keeping track of every expenditure, how much you invested. Um, I do keep track of each individual book, and I make sure that I at least make my money back. And so far, I don't think I've lost money on any book. I've might not have made a lot, but I've at least made. You know, five six hundred dollars back on a book where it's not a total loss. And um, do you sell on iBooks as well, or you stick to Amazon? I stick to Amazon just because I found for me the KDP Select program, especially now that they have countdown deals, they really drive a lot of traffic and they really drive a lot of sales. Just for some odd reason, having a ticking clock um, really kind of can push readers to really buy books because they think, oh, it's it's at a low price for only a certain amount of time. Let me grab it now before it's too late. And now that I have so many books, I can basically have something on countdown deals pretty much every single week, and it, I really feel it helps the overall brand. Well, you know, I really hope my two daughters listen to this podcast because I think this is what people should be doing instead of, honestly, instead of going to college. Like, this is how they're going to learn about topics. They'll start making money. They'll build community. I'm sure you've met a lot of people in the kind of publishing and self-publishing space, and uh, you start to build a, a – like, what did you major in in college? I majored in psychology. I had illusions of being a criminal profiler in the FBI, and that went away pretty quickly. So yeah, you don't. Uh, when well, who was the last criminal you've caught? Yeah, exactly. None. Right. <laughs> oh, so I would have been a terrible FBI agent. Are you are you in any debt from student loans? Oh no, no. I I I was in debt just for like dumb dumb mistakes I made with a credit card. But um, I was fortunate enough to have my grandfather pay for um. My my super high tech Montclair State University degree, yeah. Uh, but yeah, That's I didn't great. really uh, no student loans. But yeah, you know, I was in debt for a long time, but I, I got myself out of it and doing pretty well financially now. Well, Steve, thank you so much for for all that you've shared on this podcast. Like, I honestly think this one podcast is business or self sufficiency in a box. Like, people could take this, take what you've just said, and 
build careers for themselves. And I, I hope some people do that because I think this is this is really great info. I know I love writing, so this is really fun stuff for me to hear about. And uh, it was it's great to have you on the show. Well, thanks a lot, James. This has been super fun. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, look, I'm going to sign up for your list so I get your next uh, habit habit breaking or habit forming books. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.